Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we talk about the ins and outs of being a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, from opening the mission call to coming home and all the blessings in between. So sit back and enjoy the show. We would climb up the hill, knock on all the doors, and then slide down the wait, hill. Wait, wait <laughs> what? Sleds. We bought we bought these these. They were children's sleds. They were, <laughs> but they were cheap at the at like the sports store. So we just picked them up for fun because I was like, well, maybe we'll use these. The winter's long. Oh my gosh! That's so awesome. just knock on doors and then slide <laughs> on our sled. Welcome back. It's Jordan and Zach, and today we are joined by Zoe. Do you want me to say your full name? Go for it. Zoe Johnson Buchanan. Perfect. Um, Zach, any announcements? Uh, yes. So we have www.herebycall.com. Our podcast is on iTunes and Spotify. And uh, a lot of good news. Uh, the podcast has gotten a lot more traffic and listens than we originally expected. So we're going to be ramping up social to kind of match that because yeah. it, it, it kind of took off a little quicker than I had expected, which is good. It's a good problem to have. Great surprise. Uh, but yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at herebycalled.com, all spelled out, D-O-T-C-O-M, and uh, on Facebook as well. And we'll post a lot of interesting stuff up there. A lot of, um, uh, we'll let you know what episodes are coming up and we'll keep you guys in the loop as to what we're working on. Thank you. A lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah. So a little bit about Zoe and how I know Zoe. I didn't know Zoe at all before my mission, but I came home and I went to ASU and Zoe was one of those people I immediately clicked with an institute, like in between classes. And I don't know, immediately, like, I don't know how we became friends, but it just very, Zoe's a very wise person. And I would complain about my life or dating or whatever. And <laughs> she always had good insights. <laughs> and um, anyways, one thing that she really helped me out with was I busted my lip playing sports, playing basketball. And Batman, The Dark Knight Rises came out when I was on my mission. So I came home and it was like the best movie ever. And so I had like this lip and I was like, oh, like I got like this Joker lip. And so I started doing like Joker impressions and Bane impressions. Okay. And um, I thought it was really cool and no one liked it. Let's, let's hear one. <laughs> oh, yes. I was wondering what would break first. <laughs> your spirit or, or your, your body. Bane's <laughs> a legend. Oh, but anyways, I really appreciate Zoe because she like just gave me this face. I was like, stop. And it was enough. But I don't know if you did stop. I'm pretty sure you kept going. Well, I remembered the face enough after all these years. So. <laughs> it stuck with you. So you knew the face, but you denied it. Can't stop and stop. You just kept going. That's fine. That's fine. But Zoe is a unique individual in that she was with the major, I don't know what, the wave. That's kind of we'll what we'll call we, it the wave. The age yeah. change wave. The age mm -hmm. change wave among sisters. Mm -hmm. Um. So tell us what, what made you want to go on a mission? It was something that I was doing from since I was a teen, I should say. I never like always planned on going on a mission. Growing up in the church, you're kind of like, I'm going to get married. And that was, <laughs> that was plan A. And then about the time I got my patriarchal blessing, it said very explicitly that I would serve a mission. So then I just switched gears that I was going to serve. So when I graduated, I was kind of just waiting till I turned 21, going to school, doing the things you do. And when the age change came, it was just kind of like, Oh, sweet. Like the Lord obviously knew that there were prepared, ready, willing sisters to serve and that they, they needed to go 
now. And so that was so cool to be able to sit there. I was, I just turned 19. So just after I could have gone, you know, I turned 19 that August and October, they made the announcement and it was just, it was awesome. I, that day texted my Bishop, got my interview set up, got everything, started the process to get my papers in. That's awesome. It was sweet. (laughs) I was like, you could have completed a whole mission by the time you would have gone out. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like, I could have done like my mission twice. If I was having to like wait till I was 21 from like when I graduated, That's that crazy. would have been hard. So, so you have this plan to serve a mission mm-hmm. and you put in your papers and you get your mission call and you open it up. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts? I didn't know, uh, and where, tell us what, where, Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> this, is, boy, this is the first time you haven't introduced it. Well, there you go. I decided to let the guest introduce it. <laughs> okay. cause, I'm, I'm, Cause you butchered it. The yeah. last couple times. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I served in the, the Norway Oslo mission. Um, and first thoughts when I opened my call is I didn't know where Norway was. Like most people, when they hear like Norway or, I mean, some people maybe have an idea of like where Sweden is. I think Sweden gets a lot more traction for whatever reason. It's not as pretty, but <laughs> no, um, no bias. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not at all. But, uh, a lot of people don't know where it is and I didn't know where it was. So we looked it up on a map and kind of like looked superficially at kind of the culture that was in Norway and where it was, what language they spoke, which they speak Norwegian. Um, and it was just, I was so excited. It was so cool. But I was also like, I have no idea what you expect. None. So that was crazy. Were you able to meet? I feel when I got my mission call and I feel like a lot of people seek out people that served in that area. Were you able to find anyone or? Um, I'm trying to remember if I did. I don't, I honestly don't think I did. If, if I found anyone, it was, um, and probably an older gentleman that had, you know, it's been years since they served in Norway. And so like everything had been different from like the time they served to when now I was going to, but, um, it was super funny though. A girl in Mesa, Carly Harrison. Um, now it's, oh gosh, I don't know her married name, but she got called to Norway as well. We went to the MTC together. So it was crazy. Cause she's from Mesa and I was from Gilbert and that like never happens. The mission's super, super small. Um, yeah, she was the only one that I had heard of even getting a call to Norway. So that was really cool. And you guys want, you, you guys met up before going into the MTC or you knew each other before? Or? We didn't know each other before. She had, she'd gone Mountain View and I, gross. And I had, <laughs> where, where did you go to high school? Gilbert. Oh, Gilbert. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, a small town here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we, we met up, I think just and not even like it was casually. We met at like a YSA activity. I think we only met once or twice before we actually went on our missions. Um, and we never were companions or served in the same areas or districts at all. Our whole mission, which is kind of crazy, but we were from the same place. So that was cool. Nice. Yeah. So you go to the MTC and you were there nine weeks no how long is it this is when they also changed the duration you were there for mm-hmm. so went down to six right mm-hmm. okay yeah so i was just there for six weeks it used to be nine no it was six so it was a blessing what was what was your biggest fear going into the mission um just superficial stuff like i was worried i wouldn't like learn the language i was worried just of like things like that. I wasn't worried if I was going to baptize anyone. I wasn't worried if I was going to 
getting intestinal bug, I was going to Europe, so I was going to be fine. But um, <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about uh, much of the spiritual aspects. It was very much just superficial things, the things that like I felt I needed to control or I possibly could that I was really worried about. So any any special you yeah, I feel like you were kind of alluding to something earlier about the MTC and maybe a group you had or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So with being a part of the big age change wave, there was obviously a huge influx of sisters. Not even just like my mission, but like in the MTC in general. I could imagine. Oh, yeah. It was like I wasn't ever there before, but like I can tell that there's probably like a whole dynamic shift, like amongst people just at the MTC and how things were run. But uh our our group had 17 sister missionaries going to the mission. And in fact, when we, when our all group to the, same, all the mission? same mission, yes. Oh, wow. That's huge. Yeah. So not only, so you guys got to go through your whole entire mission together too. Oh yeah. All oh, 17 wow. of us were together. <laughs> I think four, like a, like a gang. No, we were normally just to back it's up like one or people, two. Yeah. Normally it's like two or three yeah. from your mission. Wow. No, 17 sisters. So like there are 17 sisters, four elders, all, we, we were all going to the same mission. We we're all going to Norway because the, the dudes could come the elders could come, <laughs> could come a year sooner. So, I mean, they had a small, you know, people could come a little bit quicker, but there's a lot of sisters that now could. So that was really cool to be with them, my whole mission. And when we got to Norway, we actually double, doubled the number of sisters in the mission. So yeah, any sister that got there, even the transfer before us had to train because. Oh, wow. Yeah. When, yeah. Logistically, it had to be done. Mm-hmm. Wow. It had to be done. So it was, it was really cool though. It was cool to be a part of, of a kind of like a pioneering thing that had never been done. Yeah. So it was sweet. It was it, it, and on the other side, it was really exciting. We had eight sister missionaries when I came into the mission. Mm-hmm. When I left, we had 108. Yeah. It's insane. It, Are you, wait, wait, excuse me. I'm being dead serious. <laughs> you got 108 sister missionaries? When I left my own How room. many, the, how many, mi- oh, I'm like, yeah, how many missionaries words. on your mission? They, it got up to 200 altogether. Jeez, it's bigger than my like entire mission. Yeah. It yeah. was, and my entire mission was like bigger than the state of California. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. It was, it was 108 sister mission. That's insane. I'm being serious. I know the numbers. Oh. We should just open a whole nother mission. Just no. sister they, missionaries. They, they thought about splitting oh. it. But my anyways, gosh, 108. That's anyways, nuts. Get, get back to Zoe. So you, good. you're, and you were in the Provo MC. I'm yeah, assuming. Provo. So you get on an airplane mm-hmm. and you get to Oslo. Uh-huh. How do you pronounce it? Technically, it's Oslo, but Uslo. we're not going to, I'm not going to knock your points. Yeah. <laughs> In Norwegia. <laughs> so you land there. What, what, I feel like that'd be a huge culture shock and maybe weather being from, I assume it's freezing there and that's where they, that's not, I was going to say filmed frozen. <laughs> I mean, that's where it's kind of ba- the, like, like the culture. Elsa's got like a uh-huh. snow castle up there. It's gotta she be cold. does have a snow castle. When we got there, keep in mind though, when we got there, it was the beginning of summer. And I mean, it's, it's not snowing in most of the areas where I were or was sorry, where I was, um, all year round. It snowed a lot. But when we got there, it was the summertime. So the oh, what, what is a Norwegian summer? Is it an Arizona winter? Kind of, but, but actually it gets pretty hot. We, well, I served, so I served one of my summers um, when I first got there in a city called Kristiansand. And Kristiansand is the most Southern. Christiansen. Mo- I just translated that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it's, it's the southernmost city in Norway or area that I could have served. Um, and I think one day it was actually like a hundred degrees walking outside. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it can still get 
warm. That's, that's impressive. It just can also get cold. So your mission was your mission, the only mission in Norway. Mm-hmm. It's one mission for the whole country. And the just getting kind of the background so we can understand. Mm-hmm. Does everyone speak Norwegian? The, all the Norwegians speak Norwegian. Yes. But they also learn English from the time they're five. Like okay. formally in school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, anyone over 40 or 50 might not speak English very well, but anyone younger than that. And it's taught to them in school. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I got a couple of quick questions real yeah. quick because I learned a language. Yeah. And as similar as my language was to Spanish, it was still very hard to learn. Sure. Like speaking Norwegian, I'm assuming there's nothing else like it other than Norwegian, right? Or- it's, <laughs> it's very different. It, I was surprised though how similar some things were to English okay. and some things were to like other languages I had heard like German because okay. it's a Germanic base. And I think, I think compared to the English language, Norwegian has only a third of the words. So, I mean, like okay. the, wow. you can learn That's- a huge vocabulary in English, but in Norwegian, there's just not that many words. I mean, I didn't learn every word. I still don't know every word, but it was... It was difficult to some degree, but I thought it was so fun. Yeah. I loved it. I love learning Norwegian. And how long, like, did it take you to be, like, were there Norwegian sisters? Uh, like, or did you only serve with, like, natives? Oh, oh yeah, gosh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. There wasn't any in my mission, no. We had one sister who came after me from Finland, but okay. none that were from Norway. Okay, so, so. You, had to, you had to learn, like, in the streets and on your, by yourself mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah. And how long did it take you before you got like comfortable? Honestly, I felt comfortable. I don't want to sound khaki because I could be very wrong, <laughs> but honestly it took probably about three months and I felt oh, pretty geez. okay. I felt, I felt yeah, you pretty, were, you no. were, you were prepared. No, the gift <laughs> that, of tongues is real. That is why they, they changed the rule because of you. 19 years that's, old, go on a mission. That's not true. No, it was a lot of baptism by fire too. It was when I uh-huh. first got there, my trainer was only going to be my trainer for six weeks and then she was going home. Oh, okay. She, 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 she understood the language. She was on the tail end. Oh, of her. yeah. Oh, okay, she, okay. she understood. She helped me a ton. And then my next companion that came was actually with me in the MTC. So she and I were six weeks into the mission. We had to take all the Norwegian we had and just like give it Shuck our best it. shot. And then like you learn so fast because people will like pick you up as you stumble. You know, the Norwegian people are kind enough to like, you know, help you out with your Norwegian. Okay. And like the kids, it's, the kids will help you. T- talking to kids is the best because they don't, they're not going to judge you mm-hmm. if your Norwegian's crappy. <laughs> they're, they're just going <laughs> to talk to you. So like I, you just kind of like threw it all out there and then it, it just, it came and the Lord the Lord blesses you with all of that. I'm not going to say it was like me at all. It really wasn't, but it was so fun for me to get to like experience the gift of like learning such a unique language. Yeah. I could imagine. Like I said, like when people hear Portuguese, they think it's either French or Spanish. But I, if I heard Norwegian, I don't know that I would be like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's Norwegian. You know, you very, you learned sure. a very unique language. That's awesome. It's pretty sweet. So that sounds interesting that you came out and then immediately it was kind of baptism by fire. You were with someone else that had just been out six yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Did, did you feel, I would feel overwhelmed. I mean, you're in, you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language all the way quite yet. 
Yeah. <laughs> you got a story there it, for us? <laughs> it honestly was just kind of like, I, I love my companion. My sister Chapman, she came after my trainer, Sister Bingham, who was also awesome. Um, but Sister Chapman came and we, we clicked really well, which was such a blessing. Like she was one of my favorite people in my mission. We just clicked, had a good time. And so like all of the learning how to be a missionary that we still had to do, like we were walking through the 12 week program together still learning it for the first time, both of us. And it was just, it was just fun. I was like, we, we just got to do it. So we're just going to try. And if we fail, the Lord's going to get it. <laughs> so, so it was just kind of like, we're just going to do our best. And it was awesome. It was awesome. That's such a good attitude to have. I feel like, and this is like a little tangent, but I feel like as I got older as a missionary, I thought looking back like, oh man, like I didn't know as much as I know now. Yeah. But overall, like if you are trying your best, the Lord will make up, you know, his grace is sufficient. It will, it, it won't stop anyone from learning the gospel. And so I don't think I was any more effective at the end of my mission as I was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. If I was, as long as I was relying on the Lord. Totally. It sounds like he definitely had that experience. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like the Lord is not going to, you know, hinge the salvation of the Norwegian people based off of my shoddy Norwegian. Mm -hmm. He's just not going to do that. The spirit's power, more powerful than me. The, the, the way of the Lord is more powerful than any of my ways and he's got it. I'm just going to do my best. So it was, it was very much just kind of like being happy. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Trying. Man, that's such a, such a good mindset. Awesome. Going. I want to touch cool. on something real quick that Jordan said. It's because I had to learn again, I had to learn the language. Mm -hmm. and I remember when I got to the point where I involved the Lord more than it being me learning mm -hmm. how to teach and learning how to speak is when, like I said, when I put it back in his hands, it was like, he was doing all the heavy lifting and totally. I was just being the tool. And so again, I can't imagine being six weeks into my mission though, with another American and, and, <laughs> and trying to do that. Like Jordan said, I would be, I'd be yeah. sweating, but that's awesome that you right off the bat, you realize that, Hey, we need to include the Lord in this. And like you said, he's not going to, the salvation of the Norwegian people is not hinged upon me learning the language. It's how I invite the spirit in my lessons. And that's, yeah. I think if, all the missionaries who who listen to this or are preparing to go on a mission, that's like the number one thing that you can focus on. If you're learning a language and even if you're not, if you're going to Mississippi, like Jordan said, like yeah. the moment you start involving the Lord more in the lessons, it's like, it just starts snowballing from there. Totally. I wish I would have learned that a little bit sooner. Yeah. So help us paint a picture of Norway in that, and like, I've never been there. Lieder, Lederhosen? Or is that Germany? That's, that's Germany. <laughs> I think that's more the Alps and Switzerland so, and Germany. So Norway is like the land of Vikings, right? Yes. Oh, lots yeah. of Viking heritage, hey. lots of Vikingness, And just like, if you want to picture Norway, just picture the most like amazingly beautiful green place you've ever thought of. And just like multiply it like by 10. It's just mountains. Oh, it's amazing. And gorgeous. And the whole coast of Norway is, they're known for their fjords. So the fjord is basically just like this huge like crack basically where the ocean comes into the country and it's just met with like mountains on either side and it's just everywhere and it's gorgeous. Oh my goodness. Have mm -hmm. you been there? That is a- I just pulled up a picture on my phone and this looks like fake. <laughs> it's not. It, it, that's unreal. It's a, it's a real, ta it's a real hike. It's called Trulltunga. I've never done it, but 
it's it's on a bucket Holy list for moly. sure. I know. Didn't you and your and Jared go back to Norway? Yeah, Jared, my husband, he and I, we went back two months after we were married. So we got married in March, went in May, and we we road tripped the country. I took him around to the areas I had served. We hiked Pedekestulen, which is if you've ever seen the new Mission Impossible. Yes, it's filmed there. Whoa! So that's it's a, a cool place, man. It's it's legit. I just remember watching your story, and I was like, I don't know where you are. I didn't know this place. Like, I thought you died and went to the slusher. <laughs> I didn't know this place existed. It's it's Norway. It's it's like I said, Sweden gets all the talk. De- Denmark gets all the talk. Maybe let them keep getting the talk and then just go to Norway where it's not so busy and crowded and enjoy the peace. I know, right? That's that's the idea. People are going to go to like Sweden and be like, oh, it's so cultural. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> but Norway's way gorgeous. So it's it's just, it's such a beautiful country. So beautiful. So green. Even like if you're not on, on the coast, the inland is beautiful. There's wildflowers that grow everywhere in the summer and the spring. There's wild berries. Aurora Borealis? Yes. The Northern Lights. Those yes. are in the far, far north. Okay. Did but you did, you ever, did you see them? So... I saw them I once. I saw those on Balto. <laughs> <laughs> so I know they're real. Dude, I had a companion who actually went to Greenland and he said it's like, it's beyond what your mind can like comprehend. It's so oh. like beautiful. So yes. you saw it once. Okay. I saw it once and I, I saw like the, the consolation prize version of the, the Northern Lights. It was in my last, it was the very last night of my mission. Oh, shut up. Very That's like last awesome. night. It was very cool. We were walking out from a member's house after having had dinner and we look up and it, it was not like clear as it could be. You see pictures and I'm sure those pictures are a lot more accurate than what I saw, but we knew there were the Northern Lights because it was like this very faint green stripe that just danced across the sky for like 10 seconds. But those were the Northern Lights, and I'm counting it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's insane, man. So it was really cool. A lot of the areas in the far, far north of my mission uh, were where elders served, and sisters didn't serve there because their branches needed the priesthood up there. Mm. So a lot of sisters didn't serve in those tall, not tall, sorry, far north missions, and those elders saw the Northern Lights all the time. Wow. One of the elders described it as like a gypsy woman dancing across the sky with like her. So it moves. Oh, yeah. They move. Yeah. It, the way my, it was my trainer it, since he got married, he went back, but he's like, it's, you can't even describe it. It's yeah. like the weirdest. Oh, I got to go. Yeah. It, it's, it's an amazing experience. I mean, people like have it on their bucket list and they should because they're, it's just such a cool phenomenon to like witness. And I didn't even like witness it in like its full majesty. I saw like the backside of it basically, but it was, it was really cool to be like, whoa. Thanks for the gift. So the the landscape is just gorgeous. Tell us about the people. What are Norwegians like? They're wonderful. They In Norway, they say like when you make, well, the Norwegians say this about themselves, so call it what you will. But like when you make a friend with a Norwegian, they're your friend for life, which is true. Is that a Norwegian phrase that you could say for yeah, us? Yeah, say it. It's, it's not. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> they speak English. They, they learn it in remember school. Remember English. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just that's just something that like, you know, they're just your friend once they're your friend. But that being said, to be a friend of a Norwegian is difficult. They're not a very open people. They're not a very, you know, like Latin strong cultures. Loyalty, yeah. Like. Strong loyalties and that. And like there's certain things you just don't talk about. Um, there's there's a cultural thing in Norway and in other countries in Scandinavia as well called Gentelovin. And Yenthaloven is basically like a list of things that they outline their cultural interactions after. So like one of them is like, 
um, you won't think you're better than anyone else. You won't think you deserve more than someone else. You won't think that you, you know, are basically special in any way, which is as a missionary and as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is kind of destructive towards the purposes that God has. So in a lot of ways, it was wonderful to meet Norwegians and wonderful to get to know them. But then understanding that the cultural basis that they live by is that I'm better than no one and you're not better than me. So how dare you try to share something? Kind of. Yeah. How dare you try and change that? How dare you try and think that I can have more or need more? It's very much a complacent culture. Mm. Which is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. What uh? What what's the main religion? Are are they religious people or? No, they're not. Really? I mean, no. Huh. The state church is Lutheran, so they. I mean, they have state churches there, and like some people will go on Easter and Christmas. But like, if you speak with a Norwegian about their religious beliefs, like the belief in God or Christ, they don't. They don't have it. Is it more of like a? An, a, f- a form of atheism or it's just, it was never really practiced more like agnostic. Okay. More like there might be something there, but I'm fine not knowing. And it's, and that's very frustrating to like try and teach the gospel from a place of, I don't really care anyway, because where, where do you, what do you work off of? It's just hard to like speak to them in a way that they'll want to listen. So that was really challenging as a missionary for me, teaching the Norwegian people was just like, you don't care about anything. They're wonderful people. They just don't care. <laughs> what, uh, and maybe I'm putting it on the spot, but like, what, what advice would you give a missionary who's, who's teaching a similar type of people? <sighs> I don't know. Honestly, I would, I would just say to listen to the spirit, do what you're told and the Lord will work miracles. And he does. There's not much you can do to convince someone who doesn't care to care. There's, you know, there's very little as a person that you can do to do that, but the Lord can. And I don't know what he'll have you say. And I don't know what, what things could, you know, get these people to listen wherever they are. But that's what I would say is if they're not listening to you, they just aren't going to listen, but the Lord can help you figure that out for the ones who might. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. What, uh, I keep going back to like this, this be, be a sharp tool for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like just be doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then when it's the right timing for someone else, cause as a missionary and that's the most frustrating thing as a missionary, you're like, it's my time. Like I'm going to be here (laughs) six weeks or a a transfer is six weeks long. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're like, man, we're going to baptize someone. It's like, you can't guarantee that. Like you can guarantee that you will keep the commandments yourself as a missionary and that you'll be open-minded and, Mm -hmm. and try to be happy and, and try to be a good teacher, try to learn how to teach better. But I remember a, a kind of a, a baptismal drought that I had on my mission where I was like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. But that's when I became the best missionary was mm-hmm. my teaching skills got honed in, but it, yeah. yeah. So I, I imagine your teaching was very, you were very excited when you got the opportunity to teach people. Oh, stoked. It's funny you mentioned a, a baptism drought. That was my mission. <laughs> but it's, it, it is hard. And it's hard when you don't teach people for a long time. There was no, there was several weeks where we would call in to our district leader and report the most pitiful numbers in the world. And I just know on the other end, he knows that we're working and he knows that like, we're not just sitting around doing nothing and he wants to inspire us. But I'm just kind of like, let me just give you my numbers and go to bed. <laughs> I just, I know the week was rough. 
the numbers reflect it. We're going to try again. And that's just, that's just all it was is you just gotta, you gotta keep doing it and the Lord's going to use you how he needs to. Mm -hmm. And that might just mean being obedient. Totally. I think it's, it's, it comes back to, you have to find fun in the work. Yeah. Right. Like the, a baptism or somebody to teach is a, is a byproduct of work. Yeah. But the work has to, you have to learn to love it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even being down in Brazil, like there was a time that I went through the same thing. Right. And you, you hear about Brazil and baptizing hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. And I, and I, granted I had a mission president who was amazing in regards to qualifying people to be baptized. So we weren't baptizing every week, but it was just the same thing, the same numbers. And it's like, oh man. But then as soon as, again, you make the switch, you involve the Lord more and you just, you just learn to love it. Yeah. I think it was Elder Scott um, or Cook. Yeah. Scott Cook. <laughs> His mission president said something about, uh, you know, having fun in the mud, right? You got to get yeah. dirty. You got to, you got to have fun. I might've been him or somebody else. I can't remember. Who said that? But. They, they all blend in. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, you know, it's a mission is work. Yeah. You know, it's called missionary work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think that that is a very important concept to understand. Like I, I work in young men's, right? Mm-hmm. It is hard to motivate these kids to work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, if, if you're not willing to take the sacrament, to sister so-and-so on Sunday, how are you going to be willing? If you can't serve 20 minutes, what makes you think you're going to two years? <laughs> two years. <laughs> what makes you, yeah. How are, like, how do you think you're going to be prepared to, to knock doors all day, all stinking day? And talk to no one. And talk to no one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, or you have your whole day lined up. Oh, someone, 10 people said we were going to teach them and then they all, they're not home. You know, mm-hmm. how are you going to do that? It's, you have to find fun in the work. That is so important. I can't stress that enough. I, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to my young men right now. It's like, you got to <laughs> work. Are you yelling at me? <laughs> you got to do it. Why are you holding me by my head? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, so it, and even in these hard moments as a missionary, when things don't seem to be going great, I feel like there's always a miracle to be found in each and every day. Mm-hmm. What were some of the miracles that you saw? Sometimes the miracle of the day was we got stuck out knocking doors and we forgot to take our snow sleds out of the car. And so we still had them. So we would take, we would climb up the hill, knock on all the doors and then slide down the wait, hill. Wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> we bought, we bought these, these, they were children's sleds, they were, <laughs> but they were cheap at the, at like the sports store. So we just picked them up for fun because I was like, well, maybe we'll use these. The winter's long. Oh my gosh. So awesome. just knock on doors and then slide <laughs> on our sled and you know, just, just, you just like, like knock twice. Okay. Nobody's home. Let's go to the, <laughs> you just want to get to the top of the hill. One time we did it down a, are are the elders driveway, which was really steep. I almost died. <laughs> and it, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't very far, but I felt I was in a skirt. I mean, it's harder when you're in a skirt all the time, but anyway, um, other miracles. Um, sometimes it was just that like, uh, in one area I served in Badigan on the West coast. Um, we were out talking to people around this pond that we walk around in the city and uh, we hadn't had much success that day, but we were able to just share a scripture with a Norwegian woman. And I assume it touched her 
because she, she started crying and she, she shared with us about how she had lost someone and the scripture reflected that directly. And we didn't know her at all. Um, and that was all that came of it. That was it. There's no phone numbers. There was no anything. She didn't take our book of Mormon, but that was the miracle that day that God was able to touch someone's life through me being there. Um, so miracles come in so many different forms. And I think it's just, like you said, it's important to try and find a miracle in that day or a tender mercy as it were, um, because they're everywhere. Sometimes they're just really, really, really hard to see. Yeah. And I think people, I know myself as a missionary, oftentimes you're looking for that big, Oh yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. angels singing and stuff like that. But when you, you can miss those little moments like that. And when you're not looking for them. Yeah. And for me, like the Lord, very seldom, at least from in my life, he doesn't really give me lots of moments. It's very much the little things. So maybe other people are just more fortunate than I. So what, what, how many missionaries were in your mission? Or I guess the question I'm asking is how many baptisms did your mission get? That's a good question. Um, it varied very much. I, I try to remember they used to give us, um, like in the missionary newsletter, they would list the people that were baptized that month. And sometimes it was two and sometimes it was seven, which was a lot for our mission. Um, you know, I think it just varied so much depending on what was going on. And, um, and most of the time, honestly, they weren't Norwegian people we were baptizing. It was people from other countries who had different. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We taught a lot of people from different countries and baptized a lot of those people. Um, just Norwegian people were really hard to one want to let us teach them and find in that regard. So how was the, how was the church in Norway? Very small. Yeah. Okay. Very, very small. So there's about 5 million people in Norway. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like smaller than (laughs) Phoenix. Yeah. Very small, very small country. So there's 5 million people in the whole country. And the number of (laughs) members members is like 4,500. Oh, wow. Very small. Spread throughout the entire country. Yeah. So there's only two stakes. And then all of the branches in the northern part are part of the mission. So it's very small. It's very centralized. Everyone pretty much knows everyone, even if they're in the other stake. There's there's core families that know core families. Um, and they've been members since their grandparents got baptized. Um, there's not a ton of first-generation Norwegian converts in the wards that I had served in. A lot of them, it was their grandparents who first listened to the missionaries after Joseph Smith translated the book of Mormon yeah. and they sent missionaries overseas. That's wow. a lot and of there's that. no, there's no temple in Norway, is there? Nope. And the closest is in Finland, Sweden, Sweden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sweden oh, yeah. and Denmark. Yeah. It's interesting. My, I, I could be totally butchering this. My mission president's grandfather was the one who was baptized and he was Norwegian. Oh, awesome. But he baptized and immigrated to Salt Lake. And a lot did that. Yeah. A lot Again, did that. Again, back in like the Joe Smith days, like a long mm-hmm. time ago, which is interesting. Yep. So you're among these members. Who was a member in Norway that you just love? 
Oh, there was a lot of members I just loved. One family I really, really loved and I still love um, are the Bordiga family. I served in their ward for six months and I didn't get to know them until probably towards the second half of that. So like the last three months I was there, but they just have like the biggest hearts. Medea, she would come and teach with us. She would offer rides to investigators we had. She was such a great resource and tool. And she was, she, she was actually, um, Oh, what is that country? Hold on. Romanian. So she was from Romania. Her husband, Eric, was Norwegian. Um, and then they had two boys. But she was just such a wonderful asset for us sister missionaries. And it's just such a blessing to find those sorts of people in your mission. Um, another member that I just love from my first area in Christiansan, her name's Ida. She's Filipino. But I mean, woman was constantly buying us food. We had so many boxes of cornflakes. <laughs> Just cornflakes. Uh, she would always buy us cornflakes, frozen pizza with imitation crab, and she would tell us, put the crab on. It's good. It's good. And, <laughs> on, on the pizza? Yes, on the pizza. And, and then she'd buy us bananas and bread. We'd always get that for sure. And then some other things. But she, <laughs> she, she loved missionary work. Woman was on fire about teaching the gospel. And she shared it with everybody. She just would come teach with us whenever. She would drop anything she was doing. She'd be like, I had an appointment, but I cancel. I cancel appointments so I can teach. And we're like, thank you, Ida. Aww. She just she just was, I mean, one of the three Nephites caliber kind of person. <laughs> oh, wow. Just yeah. like amazing. Love, 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 love her. Um, there was a member in Badigan, Jan, he was a young single adult. I grew really close with him. He's awesome. He just, he loved hanging out with the missionaries. He loved, you know, the feelings that he got when he hung out with them. There's not a lot of a, there's not a huge, strong youth culture in Norway. And if it is, everyone's really spread out. Um, but he just, he just always has a special place in my heart. So. So as you're with these members, one, it sounds like they, they had a huge impact just on your, your attitude and also your, mm -hmm. just how happy you were. I feel like going out on the mission, I had no idea how big of an impact members would have yeah. on me and on my sanity. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't know what to say other than like, if you're going to go out on a mission, members are huge. Totally. Members will change your life and you'll be friends forever. Yeah. It makes it so much, makes your mission so much uh, don't take, don't take this word wrong easier. Yeah. You just, you learn to love the people you learn. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it made my mission so much more complete that I'd actually spent time and invested energy into making those friendships because yeah. it only strengthened the missionary work, you know, Absolutely. it only, you know, people, like you said, drop what they're doing and, and come and help you and you do the exact same thing for them. Yeah. 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 So as you were with these members, it sounded like you had some interesting pizza with invitation crab on it. Was there any other foods that stuck out to you that were unique or maybe just what no, are some Norwegian? Staples? Yeah. Norwegian. Some Norwegian I have no staples. idea. What, I just imagine they eat like swordfish and whatever Vikings eat. <laughs> <laughs> I they never, catch it with their bare hands. Their bare hands. Aquaman. Aquaman. Is he from Norwegian? Norwegian. No, ah. no, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I understood. Um, no, but Thor is. Thor, I, okay. ah, God of Thunder. But uh, he's not real. There's no. <laughs> way. 
We, I actually, and for everybody, I actually met a man who his religion was North theo- Norse theology. And he says in Norse theology, you can pick yourself one of the Norwegian gods as your own specific God. He totally like believed in it. It was crazy. Anyway, which was his Thor, obviously. Okay. Oh yeah, totally. But he, he listed off a bunch. You mean? Chris yeah. Hemsworth? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Um, but I uh, know Norwegians. I mean, they eat pretty, the most standard thing that I ate as far as like a meal, they call it shutkakid. Which Excuse is, me? <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that again? It's called shutkakid. Okay. I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't sound nice, but I promise it, it just means meat cakes. So it's just basically just like meatballs with gravy, boiled potatoes, and then a vegetable. Oh, and Norwegians use jam with everything. It's like, you really? know, on Thanksgiving when like there's cranberry sauce and no one really understands what the cranberry sauce is doing on the table. It's to eat with like your meat and potatoes. So you just like throw it on top or what? Yeah. Oh, like really? how you put jam on toast. You just you kind just, of jelly on it's on not like meat? jelly. It's like jam. Yeah. It's a thick. So like you'll put it together sugary. like, and in Norway, like they eat with like forks and knives. Like, you know, they're not animals. They don't eat with swords. Well, <laughs> well in America, we just eat with forks. Just with their beards, pick it up. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, like an octopus. Ew, gross. Anyways, I'm sorry. Did you, just, just real quick. Did you ever see a man with like braided hair, you know? Like in Norwegian? Like, like, a, like, like a Viking, Viking braided hair? Yeah. Um, no. Or like, how about tattoos? Oh. Or like Norse tattoos, like all the oh sure crazy. Well, because there's still like the there's like the runes language, and that's a real language, like Norwegian runes and like Viking runes. Like you can like learn it, and there's some native languages from like the native, basically like the Eskimos in Norway. They're called Sami people, and they have a completely different language as well. Oh, interesting. So if like you have descendants who were Sami, or like your blood is Sami, then in school you're allowed to start learning it. So that way the language doesn't die. It's pretty cool. And Sami is for any of you that have seen the Netflix Klaus, right? Yes. Yes. Those are the bright colors. You see it. It's a really good one. It was really good. I was surprised. But that's the, they were the bright colors, right? Mm-hmm. Blue, yeah. The blue. bright blue and red. And, and when you watch that movie, you're kind of like, what is this? But they're totally real. Totally a real people. Helping out Santa. But helping out Santa. <laughs> so, so what was food wise, anything that like you just couldn't stomach or was just unexpected. It's just, it was all pretty basic. I hate to be boring, but I mean, the food was pretty boring. Gosh, darn it. Um, they put corn on everything. Like every salad I ever had had corn in it. I don't really get that. And a burger. We got a burger one time at this burger place and there was corn on my burger (laughs) and I didn't really get it, but corned beef. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's what that's they think it take. means, right? Yeah. <laughs> Corn and beef. There you go. Corn beef. So as, as you're learning Norwegian, what was the funniest word that you made a, may have stumbled on or, or said wrong or oh, easy to say wrong? I a lot of words when you're first learning. Um, one, one that is kind of hard to say or was hard to say at first was to shower is or a shower is douche. That's just what it is. It's yeah, just, that's like Spanish, right? It's douche. No, duchar. Duchar is like to wash. No, that's a lavar. It's a. It's like you would do that to like a car, maybe like just a different like you object. You'd spray it with like a heavy duty like a power washer. I don't know. I mean, that's what it means in in Portuguese. But anyways, well, just like words like that, and words that were just very close to American expurlatives, I guess it was just kind of like, uh, uh, like to train myself to be like, I'm not saying that word. I'm saying a different word in a different language and it's fine. Um, I think one time I was saying, 
oh, uh, like we need to put the, the plates on the table. But instead of saying plates, I kept saying a province in Norway, like a place. So oh, I like was a like, location. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, put that on the table, put that on the table. And then this member, she just starts laughing at me hysterically. She was actually Latin, but she just starts laughing at me. She's like, you said to put the telarkin on the table, the telemark on the table. And I was like, yeah. Why are we, why aren't we doing that? <laughs> and then she corrected me and I was like, oh, thanks. I, I got a real quick question. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you talk about Filipino people, Romanian people, Latin people. What brings people to Norway other than being Norwegian? It is very wealthy. The country is, it, it's doing really well for itself. They've made a, a fortune off of oil. Really? The Norwegian people make a lot of money off of oil. And for a country that made a lot of money off of oil, they don't use a lot of it yeah. as well. I, I read that they use like, it's like 98% hydroelectric. Yeah. They use a lot of alternative huh. fueling for Interesting. for everything, which is, which is great and good for them. But a lot of it comes from, they are a socialist economy. So they have a lot of programs so people can seek out, um, they can I be feel, refugees. Yeah. They can, okay. yeah, they can do all of that there. Mm. So tell us a little more about your mission president. President Evans, Prez Evs. He's also from Mesa, actually. No way. Can we, oh, yeah. Let's get him on. <laughs> he's he's the best. I absolutely love my mission president and his wife, Sister Evans. They were awesome. They're really, he was really just kind of straightforward. He didn't like butter things up and he didn't like overly like fluff things. He just was a straightforward man, knew what needed to be done. Um, it was just awesome. I I loved President Evans. Were, were there any lessons that he taught that maybe at like a zone conference or mission <laughs> conference that have yeah. stuck with you over the years? Totally. Um, one thing that he taught, it was actually at a district meeting um, and there was like six missionaries there and he was there because we weren't very far from where the office was. But anyway, um, So he came and he taught and he taught a lesson to us about resilience. And ever since then, that word has been like present in the back of my mind at all the times it's constantly come up in my conversations with people. And it's just a word that like, I've decided to like, I want to live my life around that word. I want to be a resilient person and being resilient. Isn't about just like plowing through and being tough. It's about taking the blows, but bouncing back. It's it. And, and just being stronger from it. He talked about resilience, um, about the people who climb Mount Everest and about the resilience that they have to kind of build up to withstand the, the crazy, yeah, the atmosphere, the lack of oxygen, the temperatures that exist at the peak. Like there's so much to be done and so much training to be done to be able to withstand that. And resilience is a lot the same way. It's something that has to be practiced and something that has to be worked and you can gain that attribute over time and in different aspects. And I just, I love that word resilience and being resilient. That's awesome. I'm sure he'd love to hear that that stuck with you. Especially in, in Norway like, <laughs> and in any mission, you have to be resilient. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, what was the most rewarding blessing that you've had from serving your mission? Um, just having it for like my life. I don't know. Just the overall experience of a mission. I mean, it was the best of times is the worst of times. And sometimes I did not like my mission and that's okay. 
And that oftentimes is what like I refer back to for things like, Oh, remember that really, really hard Mm -hmm. time when I was tried, like I can still do hard things and it's okay that it's hard right now because it does get better because it did get better. Um, and just being able to have experiences and with like the spirit, but also with like people and lessons I learned myself and lessons the Lord taught me lessons. I'm still learning that I can refer back to the time I spent in Norway on my mission. Um, I don't know, just as a, as a reflection point, it's, it's nice to have that year and a half of experience. It wasn't very long at the end of the day. It's not very long. It's been years since, but I still refer back to it often. And it's a huge blessing for me. What was uh, a part of your testimony? Uh, I'm struggling. (laughs) What part of your testimony grew the most? Like there's different, you know, aspects Mm -hmm. of like maybe the plan of salvation, the restoration, Jesus Christ as your savior. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's as simple as that. There definitely is a God. There is a God in a country where people don't really care if he's there or not. Like they're taking for granted the blessings that the Lord has given them this beautiful country money to be able to have your boat and your house and your cabin. And, you know, for you to have prospered as well. And there could or could not be a God. I don't know. It just, the the fact that there was just so many people unwilling to, to get to know their heavenly father really required me to really get to know my heavenly father. Because if I didn't know him and I didn't feel his presence in my life, I knew the Norwegian people wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's where it had to start for them. It didn't start with the restoration and Joseph Smith with the Norwegian people, at least for me and my perspective, it didn't, it didn't even necessarily start with Christ it started with our father in heaven, that there is a God who loves us. He made a plan for us. And there's other pieces that fall along with that, but like God is very first. And that was one thing I just, I came to feel God and to know him on my mission. And that's one thing that is like, there is God. I felt him. Mm -hmm. I've talked to him. I know he's there. And that, that's, that's my biggest testimony from my mission that will never go away. That's awesome. That is awesome. And it sounds like part of your convert, your personal conversion story. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's so it, 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 the juxtaposition of you were in a place of people that did not believe in God mm-hmm. and that made you appreciate and love your heavenly father even more. Yeah. Cause it's like, they're sitting there like, well, I mean, it's fine if he's there. And it's like, what do you mean it's fine if he's there? If he's there, that means like you can talk to him and that he has more to bless you with. And yeah. that, and that there's, there's so much more than just this. And then they just turn around and skip away. And that was really hard sometimes, but, but I got to know God because of it. I think missions also in various ways and various capacities breaks you down to that point where you have to go back to the basics, right? Totally. You have to know that's again, like you said, it doesn't start with Joseph Smith. It doesn't start with the book of Mormon. It comes with the knowledge that there is a heavenly father and that he loves you. And then like you said, all of these other things just come with it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, a lot of missionaries that I served with had a really hard time going through that. But as soon as they did it and they understood what that basic principle was that they were supposed to be learning, it really, shape the rest of their lives. And so that's, I mean, you could sit here right now and tell me that that's something that 
if anything you took from your mission is that you, there's an absolute knowledge that there is a God. Absolutely. And that is worth spending a year and a half, a thousand million miles away from your home, Mm -hmm. sledding down a hill in a skirt (laughs) (laughs) to come to know. Right. Definitely. If it was, it was worth it. I do it over again. If I had to relearn that same lesson and know, and regain that same testimony, it's yeah. This is a curveball question. Throw it. So Zoe and her husband had a baby a week after me and my wife had our first baby. Uh-huh. How has serving a mission helped you raise that? Good one, Joy. Boy? That's a good question. That man. is a good question. Shoot. Um, honestly, it's helped me to be so much easier on him. I look back at myself on my mission and sometimes I, I, I was so hard on myself, so hard. There were times in my mission where I was just like bullying myself. I wasn't doing enough. I was the reason why I wasn't having success in different things. And that's just not the case. Um, it's not. Uh, and for me, it's when I see Nigel, when I see him learning, um, it's dumb as a mom, but you think of things. And one of the things like I want him to always remember is that, like, it's okay to fall. Like right now he's learning to walk. So when he falls down a little, Hey, it's okay to fall. Like that's okay. And I just, it's a stupid thing. But like, if there's anything I want him to grow up learning, it's like, it's okay to fall a little bit. It's okay to, to stumble. It's okay to fail, but you, you keep trying and you keep going. You don't stop. And that happened a lot in the mission. There was a lot of times where we'd have a golden investigator and they would just stop, stop meeting with us. They just stop. And that felt like a huge fall for me, but it's okay to fall. We still keep going. So just, just little principles like that of helping him, know from an early age that these things are okay. And hopefully, I mean, they translate as he gets older, but we'll see. <laughs> Any advice that you'd give to someone? And this is like a kind of another curveball question, but you, you just hit that one out of the park. <laughs> when you're on your mission and you're serving in an area or you're going through a teaching drought or a baptismal drought, mm-hmm. first and foremost, your success, and I love this quote from Preach My Gospel, I'm a mission president, how do we memorize it? Mm. Your success as a missionary is primarily defined by your commitment to teach. Yeah. It's not by the numbers. Mm. It's your commitment to get out there and do the work. So when it's not going the way you want it to go and you're with someone 24-7 and it's hard to stay both of you positive because <laughs> sometimes in a companionship and that's how it works, sometimes you're the one that's pulling the other one. Sometimes you're, you're getting pulled and yeah. we're goodness. all nodding our head. <laughs> We've all been there. And that's, you know, and I think that's a good uh, example for marriage as well. Mm. What, what advice would you give to someone that has a companion that is struggling right now? Maybe thinking the lie that they're not successful because the numbers aren't wherever they think success is. That's a good one. Um, Honestly, I think letting those emotions happen is fine for, for a little bit, like, like letting yourself stew, because I think that's part of the whole, like, uh, call it what you will. It's a little bit of grief. You're grieving a little bit for like the missionary work that could have been that your numbers could have been better. And so it's okay to be angry at first, but it's never okay to like dwell there to dwell in the fact that like my numbers weren't good. So I'm not a good missionary because that's just not the case. And Satan would have us dwell there. I think it's a normal human reaction to react in that way but then to turn ourselves towards the savior, turn ourselves back towards the members in our ward, turn ourselves back towards some of the people we've been teaching or the people we're still trying to find because those are the things that matter. 
our numbers don't matter. It was one thing as a sister in the mission, sisters and elders are way different. They were just different people, <laughs> but I, and I hope no one's offended by this, but I was talking a lot with some of the sisters in the mission and we're like, yeah, numbers in the mission don't aren't for the sisters. They're for the elders. And, and <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but just like for, for me, it was the, sometimes the numbers suck, but like, I was never like mad about my numbers until I told them to like my district leader and they're like, Oh sister. It's like, I know my numbers. I know what they look like. I know they're not great. Like, I don't need you to like sit there and pity me. Like I'm not going to dwell there. So I don't want you to like dwell your whole week on the fact that my numbers were bad because I still have work to do obviously. And I need to keep moving forward. So for us, it was always kind of like the numbers are for the elders. <laughs> we're going to keep doing our work <laughs> and just move forward. So I know that was kind of really long. I hope that answered the question. No, I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I think you. oftentimes you have to redefine what success is. Yeah. Like Elder Cook talked about with his uh, narcoleptic companion, success might just be getting out of the house, you know? Yeah. Everybody's going to have a companion like that where you're going to have to honestly just find the little wins every single day. Yeah. Or else you're going to go to that dark place. Yeah. And Yeah. I was going to say, that's another tough thing as a missionary and having a companion, again, if you're in the situation where maybe one of you is more positive or, or struggling or, or whatever, but success between missionaries is different. Totally. Like I was born, bred, scripture fed, and all I all wanted to do was be a missionary. And so what I thought was success, but for someone that like a recent convert who has no familial support at home, like just being there is awesome. hard enough. Yeah. It's true, and totally. it's like an amazing, so it's so hard to, to judge. Yeah objectively you can't no. as a missionary. And so I, I guess if you get anything out of this podcast is success <laughs> is not a numbers thing. It's, it's a personal thing. Totally. Mm -hmm. You, this, there's this identity and role thing and we're all children of heavenly father mm -hmm. and we get to serve as missionaries, but sometimes in our role, whatever we're doing, we're not the best at. And it's, you don't want to switch your identity to the role. Like, you're struggling as a missionary, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a bad missionary. And then the, the, like you're saying people dwell on it and they become, that becomes their persona. And it's like, no, you're a child of God and you have divine potential in you and you're doing what you should. Mm -hmm. And this is a season right now. Yeah. This is so good talking for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I, I was just looking up preach my, my gospel because it is, it's been a while since I've looked at it, mm -hmm. but I believe the, the number one thing is you are, and I'm trying to translate in my head. Um, geez, um, that you, your mission isn't to is to bring others unto Christ, mm -hmm. and, invite and yeah, invite people to come unto Christ by receiving the gift, you know, whatever. Yes. But that's step number one. Whether that's sharing a scripture with a lady in the park, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not. I don't know how to. It's just we're smiling. Yeah. So they think that oh. So they know that members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints are positive people, and there's something they're smiling about. Yeah, it's yeah. so much more then how many doors did you knock? How many, it, it, you how many are, you yeah, it, totally. Yeah. You are an example of the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. You, you represent the church, right? Totally. And you could do it in a number of ways, singing hymns, you know, all that stuff. It's just, I know so many elders that got caught up in the number thing and, and I don't want to say it destroyed their mission, but they didn't find what they were looking for. They didn't find mm -hmm. or didn't come to know that, Hey man, you, you, you were successful, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, that's a struggle for 
for elders and sisters alike, for any missionary. I remember the, like getting towards the end of my mission and I was like, have I done enough? Like yeah. I sit there the last couple of nights and I was like, I left something. Something's not like I, you know, did I do enough? And that was a huge battle for a little bit. There was like feeling like I had done enough in the sight of the Lord. And at the end of the day, it's just coming back to, did I do my very best to try and be committed and be the missionary that the Lord needed me to be? And if I can say yes, then I tried. And that's all the Lord asks of us anyway. Totally. So yeah, totally. Um, so wrapping up, any advice you'd get to someone, give to someone, let's say your son, Nigel, he opens up his mission call and he's going to your mission. Oh, shoot. What would you tell him? I, I honestly would probably tell him to just not, not get caught up in the logistics of missionary work. Don't get caught up in titles. Don't get caught up in numbers. Don't get caught up in the framework of missionary work. Get get caught up in the spirit, you know, learn what being a missionary is in your heart and be yourself still. I think a lot of times I, I myself even did this as a missionary. I totally lost myself in the work, but not in a good way. I lost who I was. I lost a lot of my personality in some areas with some companions and I wasn't someone I liked or recognized. They hated me. I know they did. I know. <laughs> I know they didn't like me. And that's that's one thing in my mission I wish I had done very differently. Was I wish I had found a way to still be true to who I was while being able to fulfill my calling, which is definitely possible because the Lord's not just calling bodies to these areas, he's calling people. And you're the people he's calling to these areas. Like you specifically have things to do, not just a shell of you, who you are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important not to to totally lose it. I'm going to take it one step deeper. Obviously we talk about Nigel, your son, right? What do you have to say to any young women out there? You're our first sister, right? I am. Who are, who are <laughs> contemplating, Oh, should I serve a mission? Should I not? That's my female voice, by the way. That's a good should one. That's very feminine. That's as high as it goes. <laughs> like, you know, that are maybe sitting on that fence that, mm-hmm. you know, should I, what, what, what kind of words of advice would you give them? I would say if you want to go, go. There's, there's nothing bad about serving a mission. There's just not there. The Lord would never, I think, turn to any sister and be like, definitely don't serve a mission. You know, I mean, if you're contemplating, like, do I get engaged or do I go on a mission? I don't know. That's up That's to you. That's a better girl voice. <laughs> she, she, I am a girl. A girl so. um, I, you know, I think a lot of times the Lord leaves it, leaves it up to you in those respects. And if you're, maybe you're just going to college, you don't have a lot going on and you're thinking about going on a mission. A mission is a good thing. It's hard. Don't go thinking it's going to be easy. It's really, really hard, but it's worth it you learn so much. The Lord teaches you so much and the, the, why not? Yeah. DNC four, if you have desires to serve God, you're called to the work. Yeah. Yeah. So get out there. Why not? Wrapping up. Would you, unless Zach, unless you got anything. I, I I was pulling up some fun facts about Norway on my phone, but. (laughs) Oh, that is fun. I mean, if you want to keep it spiritual, we can keep it spiritual. I was going to end on a spiritual note. All right, go for it. Would you mind sharing your testimony of Heavenly Father in Norwegian? Sure, man. It's been a long time. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, jeg vet at min himmelske fader, han er der. 
han är er äkta. Han älskar oss väldigt väldigt mycket. Han är er alltid där för att hjälpa oss, för att höra oss, för att ge oss styrka, för att ge oss ro och fred. det är er inte något som han bryr sig om. han han vill höra oss. Han vill styrka oss. Och det är er inte han kan inte klara och det är er inte något vi kan klara men han är er där och han är er min älskefader han älskar mig han älskar alla alla oss och jag jag följer han när mig hela tiden och detta ser jag Jesus Kristi namn amen 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 that was cool Zoe thanks for being the first sister part of the wave Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. Zach, if people want to look us up, where can they find us? Again, you can find us uh, on iTunes. It's the Hereby Call podcast as well as Spotify. Um, or you can also um, just go to our website, www.herebycall.com. And we have the podcast listed on the website as well as links to um, Spotify and iTunes. And like we said earlier in the episode, we're going to be ramping up our social, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, yeah, you can all find us all over. Instagram like is hereby called D O T C O M. That's hereby right. dot com. Dot com spelled out. Well, we will. I got one. I got one. All right. <laughs> no way gave the world the cheese slicer <gasps> and the largest uh, number of wild rangers lives in Norway. So that I believe the caribou and yep. cheese slicers are amazing. Still use one. My favorite thing. I don't. Is it like. A normal we, cheese slicer? Like a cheese grater? It's no, it's not a cheese grater. It's a cheese slicer. It's got like it's got like one little opening and you just oh, slice yes, along yes, the cheese. Yes. Anyways, those things are pretty awesome. <laughs> no, no, they're amazing. Great for sandwich. <laughs> right, Herebycall.com. Find us wherever we appreciate. And oh, real quick, we've been getting a lot of good reviews on iTunes, which is amazing. So all of those people out there who give us a five-star review and and let us know that you appreciate what we're doing. Uh, it really pumps us up. It does. Yes. And please continue giving us the reviews so we can <laughs> yeah. trend higher, but also so we can uh, get seen by more people. And Awesome. We appreciate everybody listening. That's Thank right. you guys. Yep. Bye.